Right, this is podcast number... We never know, darling. I don't we know don't. Why start. do I always try and Why start? do you always try and remember okay. the thing that you I can't am remember? I am never going to say the number of the podcast again. I'm never even going to try. So this uh, podcast is called How to Have a Happy Marriage. What makes a happy marriage? Oh, is that what we're calling it? <laughs> Sorry, is that the title? I think so. What makes a happy marriage? Yeah. And interestingly, it was uh, my stepdaughter, Mark's daughter, 23-year-old daughter, that asked us to do this as a podcast. Um, yeah, she was coming from the perspective of thinking, are there any pearls of wisdom we would offer ourselves back at her age? Yeah. Having gone through what, in a week's time, will be... 16 years of marriage. Is it? Yeah. Is it next week? Yeah, what day is it? Come on. You know you can remember. 6th of June. No, why do you always have the 6th of June? I don't know. When is it? The 2nd of June. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. The 2nd of June. I'll get a tattoo on my arse so that we always know. Mind you, then I won't be able to see it. No, but I oh, would. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she, she, she kind of suggested what makes a happy marriage. What does make a happy marriage? Well, I think a good question to start with is, when you were a child, what's your earliest memory of thinking about being married? Shall I start? Because I can tell you haven't got a blooming clue. Well, it's so chaotic. So, when I was a child, I was obsessed with all things American. I had an American pen pal, Mormon, Mm. actually. And... um, They marry lots of people. I was madly and passionately in love with Paul Newman. Oh. To the point where I would go to bed crying. And it's funny because our daughter Maddie often talks about when she had her crush years ago with Leonardo DiCaprio. She used to cry every night. She cried every night for two years. And sorry, I've just got to say low battery. Sorry, 20%. Oh, okay, we're all right. Because we actually do these on our phones, you know. Um, and she cried every night. And it, it just brought back those memories of me being so madly in love with him. To the point where just to see Joanne Woodward, his wife, used to make me just curl up and want to die because I was so sad. And so I, I suspect that's where my idea, my first ideas of marriage came from, in that the only person I was going to marry was going to be American. He was going to be American. I was going to live in one of those big American houses you know, whether whether a newspaper would be thrown up the Lord. And it's so funny, isn't it? Because you are an Americanophile too. You mm. absolutely love all things American. The children constantly they could almost cry, couldn't they? They mm. they yearn to live in America so I much. We all do. And it's the way Kiki always says that when they throw the newspapers up the lawn and it was that, that Same was for me. But that was my early image yeah. of what my marriage was gonna be like. And yeah. I was gonna be married Yeah. To a Paul Newman-alike person. And instead, here you are in a kitchen with a kitchen roll just next to you. Now, those are my early, early. So if you can think yet of an early, because well, then it changes dramatically for me after the early years. Well, my, I, well, it's interesting that you should say that, because I think earliest, earliest sense, I don't think... I had a very strong married couple in my grandparents. So the, the institution of marriage for me was very much enshrined in... Uh, Nan and Dad, as I called him. He wasn't my dad. He was my mum and obviously my aunt and uncle's father. And because I heard everyone else calling him Dad, I called him Dad. So they, they were always called Nan and Dad. So I had an image that, that a marriage was a very stable thing. 
and a very rock-solid thing. It wasn't a fictional idea of marriage. It wasn't... I probably didn't necessarily think of the term marriage, but I knew they were a couple. I knew they were a bedrock. I knew that they were a, a very solid item. But that, you also talked about how you felt that they weren't particularly happy. No, no. Well, but that comes later. We're talking about as a, as a, as a small child. Mm. As a small child looking around and understanding what marriage was about, that was, that was it. And um, you didn't have a sense of it being unhappy at that age? It well, I, had, just, I don't think I had a sense... Was it just sen- a thing of comfort? I don't think I had a sense of whether marriage was happy or unhappy. I just think people, some people were married. Right. Because there's a huge difference for us, isn't it? Because, yeah. of course, my parents are still happily married at yes. 86 and 80. And that's all I knew. You get married and you stay married and yeah. and that's that. And then, then my only other early experience of marriage was my aunt and uncle getting married when I was when I was probably about... I think seven or eight, and my nan being extraordinarily excited about it, and me and my nan getting the wedding ready, and me being, I don't know what it was, a page boy, I was just an irritating child really, but, um, I, but I do remember at that point thinking, oh, marriage and me, I would think in terms of marriage and me, I had no role model in my mum, my, my mum and father had separated when I was two, uh, I had a constant wondering as to obviously who my father was, but I had no first-hand experience of a married couple other than when I went to my nan and dad's. So it's and of course your mum being gay. Yeah, well, she came out when I was much later. Yeah. Yes. So, so for me, marriage. When I th- if, so, if I jump into my childhood and think of marriage, I have this perversely, incredibly rock-solid, conventional example of it at my nan and dad, and total, total sort of wild west chaos. But a sort of a non-knowledge of it. So there was a sort of no idea of marriage and then a a sort of strangely suburban and conservative idea of marriage. But I didn't sort of relate it to myself. Hmm, that's interesting. Until my aunt and uncle got married. And then I remember, I do vividly remember at that point thinking to myself, I wonder if this will happen to me. And I remember my nan saying to me, oh, Marky, Marky, you never know, one day you might get married and I'll be able to come to your wedding. And I remember thinking... Oh, and she did. Yeah, and I remember thinking, well, this is a... This is a weird thought, isn't it? I wonder if I'll get married. Good God. Uh, she loved our wedding so much. Yeah, she did. She did. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so the idea of marriage as an institution, you know, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Most of my childhood, up, I was brought up by an, uh, an, uh, an, a feminist activist lesbian. Yeah. And with all the will in the world, obviously gay people can now get married and what have you, but at that time in the sort of mm. febrile 70s, marriage wasn't even, you know, you know, the, the gay community, the bisexual community, the feminist community, you know, marriage was... I mean, I used to go... I used to get into a bar in our flat in London and there was a poster at the end and I remember it vividly. It was a bed. It was an illustration on a huge poster at the end of the bath and it had six roses lying in a bed and at the base of the bed was a pool of blood on the, on the floor and it said above the top, marriage is a bed of roses and at the bottom it said full of pricks. I used to look at that for just in the bath for hours and hours on end sometimes. Thinking, what, do they, what do they mean? What do they mean? So I grew up thinking and in a sense assuming that marriage was a contract in which women were held under control, right. put upon. It was part of the system. <laughs> a lot of women would still agree with that. No, 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 but isn't it, isn't it odd? So I went from this very conservative thing, but meanwhile, back in, back in the flat throughout, but the, throughout the 70s and early 80s, I was not sold it. I wouldn't say my mum actively said marriage is a bad thing, da, 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 da. but all of the literature around me, all of the people around me, everything mm. on the walls was, was confirming that marriage was a form of enslavement. For women? For women. So how did that 
did that spike your interest then as a as a man well I think it probably informed the idea that then as I moved into late adolescence and became a, a young man I never really thought I would get married I remember you saying that to me I mm. never thought you said that on our wedding day you probably don't remember yeah no did I on our I'm wedding sweating day sweating a lot yeah, thanks for that um, yeah. Did I say that on a wedding yeah, day? Yeah, you said I never thought I would get married. Oh, right. Well, I didn't mean it horribly, did I? No, I didn't no. think you meant oh, it right. horribly. Oh, right. Okay. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I genuinely didn't. But I, but it, it's, it's as I'm saying it right now, I'm beginning to wonder, well, I wonder how much of that was informed. But it was mm. a very rare, unusual... I often think you should write a book about it because it's just so unexplored. But the 70s feminist lesbian politic through the eyes of a boy who's heterosexual now and father to four daughters. Um, so I, I had a, a funny idea of marriage. It wasn't this thing that I was sort of aiming for or necessarily thought was a, I don't know, status symbol. I don't know how many men think of marriage, actually. It's an odd one. Yeah, well, what do men think? What I don't do, know, but you've been you on me for ages. Why don't we ask you, what were you thinking? Your, your opinion changed after Paul Newman's olive oil. <laughs> Salad dressing. Salad dressing, um, sorry. Yeah, so that was my early years and my early imaginings of uh, marriage. And then I think as I got to be a moody, rebellious teenager, and as all teenagers do, want to rebel against their parents. And my parents were lovely parents, um, but I needed to rebel. So what I chose to rebel against was marriage. Right. So I would say loud and proud all the time, I will never get married. I will never... Because I did see that my mum... My mum and dad had a fairly traditional marriage mm. and I think that I did think that my mum was put upon and my mum was, um, I didn't know how happy my mum was, mm. you know, I, I didn't know. It didn't read to me that she was that happy. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because as you say that, I wasn't exactly seeing my mum happy either. So mm. that didn't, she wasn't necessarily selling to me the non-married route as a way to happiness. Yeah. But actually, I think my mum was kind of happy. It's just I was a rebellious teenager. Mm. And so it was just like, why would you do this? And why would you, why would you be a, you know, why would you, um, why would you stay with a man? Why would you have to cook every night? Why would mm. you have to do all the cleaning? Why do you, and I just took, took really against marriage. Mm. I think at the same time when those feelings started to come up, I was also very insecure about myself and the way that I looked and... I actually, now when I look back, I was gorgeous. I was a babe and I had no idea. And actually, I think why boys didn't approach me was, I think I was quite intimidating, but I just thought boys didn't approach me because I wasn't attractive mm. and I wasn't... So I was very much like, well, I don't want any... I don't want to be married anyway. I only get married if I get married ten times. That was my line. Okay. So things really, really changed for me on that. And then I had... I think then I had quite a few different relationships and every relationship I think that I was ever in, I'm never in a relationship thinking, oh, I'm just going to be, I'm just dating. Mm. I was never a dater. Mm. Every relationship I was in, I felt like I felt something. Mm. But I think I realised that... That's troubling. At some point, <laughs> who was I making the choice of who I was with? Right. And I often say this to young girls when I'm talking, so make sure you're choosing and it's not just that you've been chosen, yeah. you know. Because when you ask young girls that, they'll often say, God, I've never thought about that. Yeah. So, you know, one particular friend of mine I can think of, she says, you know, I've just never had a sex drive. I've just never had a real, never really wanted it. Right. And I said, but have you ever really wanted the person that you've been with? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, mm. well, 
have you ever chosen the person with you or is it just they've That's liked you like, yeah. and so then you've liked them because they like you yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was really interesting watching her eyes go oh my god I think I've only been with people that have liked me yeah, but that's an interesting concept, though, isn't it? Do you, do you not think that that partly informs nearly how everyone's with everyone? Well, I think it depends on your levels of security. I think yeah. that when you're insecure, the more insecure you are about looks and about... Mm. You probably will not go as much for the person that you really like mm. in fear that you will be turned... I mean, I remember when I first met you, do you remember I've said to you before, I just thought, I came back to well, this really nice guy, but he'd never go for me. He's that sort that goes really posh girls, really educated mm. girls with shiny ponytails. I had this obsession that you would only go out with girls with shiny ponytails. How bizarre ponytails. is that? You know those kind of ponytails that bounce up and down when girls walk, or even when they're talking, their ponytail bounces. That's what I thought you'd be into. That's very odd. I'm not a fan of ponytails at all. And then I remember our first time that we went out together or shared four gin and tonics together. Um, you said, oh, because what's it like having frizzy hair? I thought, oh my God, he's just called my hair frizzy. But it's frizzy. Darling, don't... How like, it, It's curly. Okay. It's not frizzy. Yeah, curly. Curly hair. I always remember his... Which made me think, oh my God, he definitely does like cutting And my... he did say to me at one point, have you ever thought of cutting your hair off? Yeah. One of my biggest... I remember... <laughs> yeah, do you not remember that? No. One of my earliest fears about marriage, and they're funny, aren't they, the childhood fears that you have. I remember thinking, I remember acknowledging that, or connecting through the media, television, films, whatever, that obviously when you got married, you had to have that. Because there's the whole wedding night thing. We don't uh, have to. Well, no, you don't have to. But there's a there's a sort of assumption. It's a bit there's an ab- assumption, isn't there? And uh, but I remember as a child thinking, because I had this really bad toenail that grows black. I remember thinking. I mean, as a very young child, I was absolutely grief stricken, thinking, "Oh my I'll god! I'll never find a wife. How will I ever show my foot? How will I ever cover my toe? Because if a woman sees my toe." She won't want to marry me. She won't want to marry me because there's this weird black toe that's like a runner's toe. I have to say, it did make me think twice. Yeah, well, especially when I asked you to suck it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. But, um, but, you know, it's funny, those little myths of of married life that you think about and you think you can be be obsess about as as a young child. But then... What were your ideas of a happy marriage? I mean, Izzy was suggesting when she asked us to do this, or suggested we do this podcast, were your ideas of a happy marriage when you were younger? What were they? Um, well, Izzy said, um, how does marriage work? This was to me ages ago. And I said, by just staying married. And I'd forgotten that. Isn't it funny these things mm. you say to your kids? And it wasn't until she reminded me of it. I said, God, yes, I did. And I suppose when you go to the essence of what does that mean... It's the essence of what marriage is when you take your marriage vows, isn't it? Which is commitment. Mm. Which is all very well if you've got two people committed. So, we, you know, it's well documented, our trials and tribulations. There have been many over, our, over the years of our marriage. Mm. And many times where both of us have probably wanted to walk away from the marriage because mm. it's become intolerable, unbearable, unhappy, miserable, desperate whatever, all those words that everybody Let's feels... Let's positive No, no, that everybody well. <laughs> feels at some point in a marriage... Yes. Come on, that's the bare... If there's any young people in a young and early marriage, believe you me, that is makes up the part of every... There are very, very few marriages where we go, oh, we've been absolutely happy the whole way through, and if they're saying it, I think there's somebody suppressing something. Yeah. So... 
But what we both had was a commitment to stay married. Yes. And 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 that's that has been the secret of us staying married. And I think the secret of a happy marriage, as far as I'm concerned, is to say a happy marriage is sometimes about being unhappy as well. Mm. And acceptance of that. Mm. And to know that there are good and bad times. I mean, it's old-fashioned stuff, this. But it's true. But it is, does strangely need to be reiterated. Because I think when, I, when we impart advice to our eldest, like Izzy, you do see a sort of sense of relief creep in when you say it's okay to feel these bad feelings or yeah. it's okay to be struggling with that element or it's okay that he and you are feeling like this. I mean, I do... I do think that there is this myth that marriage and a relationship needs to be zinging and succeeding all the time. And I, I've exerted that pressure on myself in many relationships. But when I look back at old relationships, I do ask the question, if I'd had this, you know, hindsight production sort of approach, how much better would they have lasted? How much, how much longer? Well, the problem is we accept that that is the case for every other relationship in our life, a relationship true. with our parents, Very our true. children, our friends. But why is it as soon as sex is introduced to a relationship, mm. the expectation, because of all the romantic dreams that we're sold, through mm. fairy tales, through the movies, whatever, we, we've got a warped idea that this relationship, in complete opposition to every other relationship in your life, must be happy at all times. And yet this is the relationship, the marriage, is the one where you're with each other all the time, where you share all the really difficult times in your life, whether that be financial, mm. or whatever... And yet we expect to always be happy. Mm. I think happiness is sometimes being unhappy. It's quite a good parallel. I always say in relationship to staying sober that you've got to want to stay sober, mm. to stay sober, or to at least have a fighting chance to stay sober and well. I'd say you could say the same thing about marriage. You, want, you need to want to stay married in order to stay married. So, I mean, you know... I, I, yeah. However, I mean, I can remember just three or four weeks ago when we had some row at each other. I hated you to such a degree. Mm. I mean, I thought, do yeah. you know what I'd like to do? Oh, Christ. I'd like to get up. Huh? I'd like to pack my case. Oh, my God. And I'd like to walk out that door. And I'd like to say... Ta-da! Fuck you all. Oh. That's what I felt. OK. Now... But isn't that interesting? Because I felt exactly the same thing at the same time. Exactly. Mm. But two days later, we're having an idyllic weekend. That is so the reality. Think... And where you go wrong sometimes in our marriage is when I feel that bad, you think that... I, you'll, you'll say to me, but last week we were really happy. Well, yeah. Mm. Well, just because last week we were happy doesn't mean that this Wednesday I don't want to pack my bloody bags and walk out the door and just keep walking. That's normal. I don't know if my heart can cope with that potential every other week. If you well, it's not every other week. No, no, no. But it I was mean, for many years. But, but are we not suggesting to people watching that if you're in a what feels like an unhappy marriage, are we advocating you just stay willy-nilly? At what point can you make that judgment between something that's not working and something that's working? I mean, I get what you're saying, and I agree with you, but... we. I think I could... it depends on how things are affecting your children. I think it depends mm. on... You know, you can't bit. survive on only pinholes of light. No. You have to have more than pin lights of hope, I think. Pinholes of hope. Mm. Just a bit more, and then utter commitment, mm. and then 
somewhere inside of the melee of whatever you're feeling an understanding that you do actually fundamentally like each other and you've got to find your way back to each other which I've always had even when I've hated your guts I've always had I've always been able to tap tap into that sense of that actually I really like actually deep down I really love him actually deep down Mm. I know that we can work through this and we can get to a level of understanding. I know at some point Mark and I will sit down and talk and we'll go, oh my God, can you believe it was that bad? Mm. I think if you don't have some of those, I think it's okay to say we got to the end of the road. If you had to give yourself some tips. I think we've moved into how to stay married rather than how to stay happy. No, no, we're talking about a happy marriage. If you were to give give yourself some tips as the younger you on how to have a happy marriage, how to, how to, you know, what makes a happy marriage, what have you learned through your experiences, would you say? I mean, for example, the first thing I would say that I've learned, and I would say this to all men in, in marriages and any women who are watching on behalf of their men, maybe show them this bit, you really need to have and develop and, uh, um, you know, encourage the ability to laugh at yourself, to be able to step outside of yourself and acknowledge that you are, as a man, faintly ridiculous in a lot of your... Um, in a lot of your kind of, you know, predispositions, your obsessions... And isn't that funny? Because my whole life I remember my dad saying to us, unless you can take the piss out of each other, forget it. Yeah. The manager will never work. Absolutely. And that was my dad's mantra. And he said, and the other thing is, you have to have a belly laugh once a day. Mm. I agree. I agree. I mean, and I think that diffusion and so many couples get to the point where they can't take the piss out of each other. But there is a real line because if you're doing it all the time, mm. then you become like brother and sister. Mm. If there's nothing you can't say, you know, like I can think of some friends of mine and they'll say, whoa, girl, you know, well, actually, I don't want to say because it will say who they are. But certain things that they would say that I think crosses the line. Mm that you've gone over into what would be a... Because I think you've still got to be... A, you've got to have a sense of being a boyfriend and girlfriend. And I remember yeah. at one point in our marriage thinking, I wish we could just pretend now for like a year that we're not married and we say, oh, yeah, my boyfriend or, yeah, my girlfriend. Yes. Just, just shake it up. You know, sometimes when you get in a stiff yeah. position and just go... Um, and then I think... Because then I think you can cross over into being brother and sister... Where you'll say anything to each other. Oh, God, you look a bit fat in that. Or no, you look no, at, no, I just I think there I are lines that. that I think about crossed. laughing at oneself. I also think another major tip I would give myself is to never be afraid to accept your culpability or be sorry for something. Yeah. We are all... We, we, you know, there's this idea that someone is always... Either one is always responsible for the problem. I'm a big believer that, you know, any situation is it's shared responsibilities. And Better and so, to be kind than be right. Better to be kind than right, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if I was younger, I would have, I would have fought fewer battles. I would say to myself, don't fight so many battles. Don't, don't try to be right all the time. I do think that's a word of advice for quite a few women, though. I you think don't what need would be, be a right. better and more interesting question is... Oh, why? What do you mean For you to ask me... Very nice. And you, no, no, sorry, you know that, right, well, I didn't mean it like that, but that's classic marriage, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you, you just sounded a bit haughty. Oh, sorry, I did, I did actually, but I didn't mean it. I, th- right. I, I was thinking, no, because I was thinking when you asked me what advice, I think what would be more interesting to me is rather than for me to hear what my advice would be, I think it'd be interesting to say, what would be your advice to me 
at the beginning of our marriage and what would be now with hindsight and what would be my advice to you I can't for I can't even begin to get myself in the right frame so okay well I'll start then my advice to you if we could have hindsight and go back to the beginning of our marriage would have been to just trust Hmm. just to just have more trust because I think so many of our arguments and so many so many of the things that went wrong for us was because you didn't because you never really felt you'd had unconditional love, I think. You didn't really feel every single thing that went a bit wrong, you thought it was the end. Mm. You didn't believe that we were gonna stay married. You didn't believe that I'd committed to you. Mm. So we had well, five thousand because more I didn't arguments. believe I had either. We had 5,000 more arguments than we needed to have because of that one thing. Hmm. What would be your advice? Where do you think I went wrong at the beginning? This is going to sound really saccharine, but I I don't think there's an an immense amount that you did wrong. I, I, I do shoulder an enormous burden of responsibility for where we went wrong in our relationship. I think you were an incredibly kind, generous and welcoming person and you were... Um, incredibly supportive at a time where if I didn't have that support, God only knows what would have happened to me. So I have to I have to acknowledge that. It would be churlish for me to just look back and go, oh, maybe you could have not helped quite so much because actually everything that's gone into where we are now and, and how we are now is, is down to what you did do. So all I am grateful for is what you, exactly, exactly what you did do. So I'm not going to actually sit here and answer that because I don't, I don't really genuinely hand on the heart feel... There's anything you've done wrong. I mean, there are incidents and moments in arguments where I wish we could deal with them in different ways, but that's an ongoing development and narrative and that those things are better generally. But if I was to look back at the beginning, I think and a line of advice I would give myself and other men, because I think men have issues around control and jealousy and all those kind of things, is absolutely, for God's sake, give your wife freedom of space, spirit and heart. And I recognise that I've not been able to do that comfortably. And I, I, I hope I get more comfortable with it across time. I work on myself all the time with that. So, um, so yeah, no, I don't think I could go back and say anything that you could have done differently, actually. That's the result, isn't it? That's like an A star. <laughs> all right. Oh, you look really sad. <laughs> Come here. Sorry. All right. You could like Star Wars. That would help. Yeah, that would have helped. That would have been nice. As our daughter said yesterday to us, God, Dad, how could you have married her when she doesn't like Star Wars? She's very uh, anti-mint about my daughter. And uh, Mark said, well, I, I suppose I didn't know. because what you didn't sit her down and ask her the questions. It wasn't on my list Do of you questions. like movies? How much do you like movies? What do you think of Star Wars? If you've enjoyed this, we'd love it if you left an honest review and rating and uh, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode.